Hello, and welcome to another lesson on room acoustics. This lesson is gonna be all about what is the ideal ceiling height for your recording studio. You may have been to professional recording studios and noticed that the ceilings tend to be a lot higher than your typical eight foot ceiling in your home. And there is a reason for this. And in this lesson, I'm gonna teach you all about why that is and the benefits of having higher ceilings in your recording studio. You'll also learn about some of the reasons, some of the things that you might run up against if you can't raise your ceiling height and you're working in a smaller room, which is not the end of the world, but you're just gonna know that there'll be some issues in the room. So before we jump in, I do have a free resource for you. This is my free acoustics guide. So this will help you with acoustically treating your home studio space, or if you're building a soundproof studio, this will help with designing the acoustics aspect of your room. To download that free guide, you can just go to soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. That is soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. All right, let's dive into this lesson on what is the ideal ceiling height for your recording studio. So we can't even begin to talk about this without understanding a fundamental principle of room acoustics, which are room modes. Now, if you've been on this journey of trying to understand how to acoustically treat your room, you may have come across room modes. And if you're like me, you find them constantly annoying because the definition is not easy to describe in words and it takes a lot of work to understand room modes. So I'm going to do my best to teach you in a very simplified manner what they are and how they apply to this idea of high ceiling heights. So on a very basic level, we have our speakers in our room and they are sending out sound waves, which are then hitting all the surfaces in our room. Now, any room is gonna have problems because of these sound waves hitting a surface, reflecting off of it, and then interacting with the sound waves that have yet to hit that same surface. So imagine you have a bass frequency that's coming out of your speaker, it hits the ceiling, it bounces down, and it hits another bass wave that's coming at the same rate behind it. And the interaction of those two sound waves is what causes acoustic anomalies or acoustic distortion is another way to describe it. Either way, it's things that sound unpleasant to our ears and cause issues with accurately hearing what we want to hear out of the speakers or from the recorded source in the room. These problems or anomalies are called room modes, and it can result in what are known as standing waves, um, or peaks and dulls is another way to describe it, but essentially what happens is as you walk around the room, there'll be places where you can hear certain frequencies louder and certain frequencies lower because the sound waves are bouncing off the walls, the ceiling, and the floor, and either canceling each other out or increasing each other and creating a peak, uh, all of which is not necessarily a good thing in your room. Now, it's important to understand that not all frequencies should be treated equally. The higher frequencies, roughly from about 250 hertz and above, can mostly be treated, meaning absorbed, by getting acoustic panels in certain locations around your room. This means that when those higher frequencies hit the wall, they actually hit the acoustic panel, get absorbed and turned into heat, and a lot of that energy is not reflected back in the room, causing these reflection issues that cause acoustic problems. 
The problem is that the lower frequencies, 250 hertz and below, and especially 100 hertz and below, cannot be easily absorbed by acoustic panels or acoustic foam. These frequencies have too much energy. They have really long wavelengths, sometimes even up to about 40 feet, that can easily pass through walls and can definitely easily pass through your acoustic panel and bounce off the drywall that you have in your studio. So that leads to a problem. How do we acoustically treat these lower frequencies? And the answer is that one of the best ways to treat these lower frequency issues in your room is to start with a room that has good room ratios to control those room low frequency room modes. So that leads to our question of, okay, what are the best room ratios and how does this relate to ceiling height? Now the room ratios refer to the ratio of the ceiling height to the ceiling width to the ceiling length. And there are several acousticians who have studied room ratios a lot. They studied room modes and they studied how our human ear interacts with rooms to decide what is the most pleasing room size that also accounts for the most accurate room sound response. And these acousticians have the names of Sepmeyer, Loudon, Volkman, and Bonner. And you can use some of their room ratio calculations to help you get a starting place with trying to design your ideal room size. Now, some of you might already be saying, Wilson, this is annoying. I just wanted to learn about ceiling height. I can't really change my ceiling height and I can't necessarily change my room. And the answer is yes, I understand that. For many of us home studio musicians, a lot of this might not be super helpful, but understanding this concept can help you make minor changes with at least knowing what the problems are in your room and maybe even being able to put a new wall in your basement studio, for example, to get a more ideal room ratio to control those low frequency room modes that are usually the hardest to fix. Now, when we look at room ratios, here's a diagram here of the Sepmeyer and Loudon room ratios. The first ratio is considered the best, with the second and third being slightly less ideal, however, still a good starting place. And you can experiment with these ratios and decide which room size fits your ideal room versus what also helps with the problematic room modes that can occur in these rooms. Now, you might be looking at these room ratios and say, great, I'll just plug in a ceiling height of eight feet and I'll get the other two dimensions, the length and the width, and I'll build my studio and it's great, that's awesome. Why do I need a high ceiling? And the answer is a bit more complicated. It boils down to the fact that room volume, the actual space in the room, also affects acoustics. So just having the ratios correct is not ideal. The reason small rooms are not ideal is because they create an excessive space between the room modes in the lower frequency spectrum. And our acousticians and scientists and physicists have figured out that the space between the room modes causes us to have issues with how we perceive the room as a pleasant acoustic listening environment. There's also a problem with room modes falling on top of each other, meaning having multiple room modes at the same frequency, which will also lead to acoustic problems and hearing muddiness in the low range of your room. So to fix this problem, having a larger room volume will lead to a more uniform and even space between the room modes in the lower frequency, and you will have less room mode coincidences falling on top of each other. 
So that was kind of complicated, but in general, we're looking at an even spacing of room modes in the lower frequency spectrum, and we don't want to have a lot of room modes falling on top of each other. One other aspect to this that Bonello, who is another acoustician, figured out is that as we go through the one-third octave frequency bands, which I'll talk about more in a second here, we don't want to have the number of room modes increasing and then decreasing and then increasing again. We want to have a uniform increase of room modes as we move across the frequency spectrum up into the higher frequencies. So these are all general rules I put in quotes because again, there's no perfect room, but these help us get closer to a room that will sound good just naturally before we put any acoustic treatment up in the first place. So now I'm gonna jump on my computer and show you guys some examples with the AMROC room mode calculator. And we're also gonna look at the Sepmeyer ratio calculator, just as an example to show you how increasing the ceiling height will in fact help us with some of these problematic room modes in the lower frequencies. All right, so some of you may have seen me use this calculator before. This is just freely available at odometer.org. And uh, this is the Sepmeyer ratio calculator. Now I wanna emphasize that I'm just using this as an example. You can use any of the acousticians I mentioned before to get room ratios and they'll get, be a good starting place. But I just wanted to show you that if you put in a ceiling height of eight feet, which is the standard height in most homes built these days, the type A, which is gonna be the best ratio, is gonna be a width of 9.12 feet and then a length of 11.12 feet. So a pretty small room, right, with a ceiling height of eight. If you go to type B, you get a slightly larger room. Type C, you can get an even better room with the sacrifice of potentially worse acoustics is the idea. Um, so if we're going for this type A, we're gonna go back over to uh, the AMROC calculator, and I, I went ahead and already put these in. This is from amacoustics.com. This is a great free resource for you. And what this does is it actually calculates the room modes for that exact dimension. So it also shows down here the Bonello modes per third criterion, and this is what I was talking about in each of these one-third band octave frequencies. We want to see that there's not too many uh, coincidences where they're just like right on top of each other. And we also wanna make sure that this is generally increasing over time, which it is doing. Um, so we can also see that this smaller room produces an even distribution of modes down here. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now I wanna show you what happens when we raise the ceiling height in the calculator over here. So if we went to 13 feet for a room size, we can see that we now get a larger room of 14.8 feet by 18 feet. So again, that leads to a larger room. You can do more things in a larger room. It's more enjoyable to work in. And if we look at the calculations I already put in here, we can see that we then have a m more even distribution of modes. We don't have too many down here. And we can see where those problem frequencies are over here in the 3D room mode model, which is kind of nice when we scroll over them. We'll notice that we're on the very edge of the bolt area. This is a kind of old school way of showing where a possible good room ratio would be uh, back before we had computers. So you can see that this is on the very, very small end of that. And this is again why this is something you can play with. This is a starting place for that. Now I wanna show you what a terrible room size would be, which is what is it called a cube. And if we had an eight foot by eight foot by eight foot room, we notice there's a huge space 
between our room modes, which is going to cause an unpleasant sound in the room. And we can notice that we have three modes on top of each other here, uh, right in that spot, which are the coincidence modes. Again, there are three coincidence modes on top of each other there, which is not ideal. And then we have a decrease. So suddenly you have only one mode and that's not good. And then suddenly we have 12. So you can see why the cube, just based on what I was explaining earlier in this video, is an example of a terrible uh, room mode. And it falls nowhere near in the bolt area. I think it's down off the chart here. So if we go back and we look at just slightly changing those room dimensions, you can drastically improve the room response of your room. As you look over here, all this stuff we don't have to worry about as much because above 240 hertz, there's a lot more room modes, but we can treat all of those reflections with acoustic treatment. Down here, it's harder to treat more costly. Uh, and so we want to start with a room that works best. As we raise the ceiling, we can have a larger room that still functions well. Uh, and that's one of the main reasons for a large ceiling height. All right, I hope that this video has been helpful and maybe given you a slightly better understanding of room modes and room acoustics and why ceiling height actually does affect those room modes and room acoustics. It's important to remember that there is no ideal room ratio, hence why we don't have like a Google search, what's the perfect room for recording music? It just simply does not exist. You're always gonna have problems. We're just trying to minimize the problems while also creating a functional space to record music, meaning is it a large enough size room where you can track drums and a full band or a full orchestra? If so, then we need to create a room that has a large size to hold all the musicians, but also have a large enough size to account for the low frequency problems in that room. It's important to remember that we should use these room ratios and all this sort of theory from these physicists as a starting point, but not the end point. We build the room, you might hire an acoustic designer, they'll use a lot of the stuff I'm talking about in this video, and they will get you in the ballpark for a good room. And then once you build the room, you'll have to retest it and figure out where your problem frequencies are. And then you work towards a plan to fix those problem frequencies. The main reason recording studios have taller ceilings and why a taller ceiling of say 10 feet and above is ideal with that 13 to 14 foot range maybe being really ideal is that you get more volume in your room. Now you can't just have a tall ceiling and a really tiny length and width. You need to think of the room as a whole functioning instrument and it has resonances and we want to make sure that we have a pleasant sounding instrument, not a crappy sounding one. So when you're building and designing your room, we want the high ceiling to give us a large volume because everything is connected. So as we increase our ceiling height, it allows us to then increase our width and length of the room thus giving us a larger space. Smaller ceiling heights to stay within the constraints of the room ratios mean that you have to have a smaller room. So when you go into a large tracking facility, a large professional studio, in order to keep those room ratios right, the designer wanted to have a large ceiling to get the volume needed to have a pleasant sounding room. All right, I hope you have enjoyed this lesson on room acoustics and what is the ideal ceiling height for your recording studio. Again, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about how to actually fix these problems in your room, check out my free acoustic treatment guide. It's at soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. That is soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. I look forward to seeing you all next week with another lesson on soundproofing and recording studio acoustics. 